how are you feeling about God? And before the I could catch the words, it's like they ran out of my mouth. I said, I resent him. And I just was like, there's so much that I have to overcome that my peers don't have to overcome. And it's like, why do I have to be this? Why do I have to deal with this? If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the word of God and worship in everything. I am so grateful you were here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me, Liv, and I am so grateful that you were here for another conversation at the Best Kept Secret. Today, we are beginning our mini-series on contentment, and this is something that I do hope you invite to saturate your soul. It's something that I hope you will savor. It's something that I hope you will sit with well beyond our time together, because we're going to go slow through this. We are going to take our time. We are going to think about our sisters and the wisdom that they have shared. And we're going to allow it to inform our decisions. I have never pursued contentment before in my life. But after an incredibly intense year, I found out that I am tired of working from a place of strife. I'm tired of working from a place of hardship. I'm tired of working from a place of burnout. And I don't believe that that is what the Lord has for us. Of course, there will be times where we have to persevere beyond those emotions, but that should not be our norm. And so, I can't tell you how grateful I am for the five women who will be joining us over the next five months to help us unpack this subject. It's one that I really feel we all need. It's one that I believe will enrich our time with the Lord and our work for the Lord. It's one that I just believe is going to help us enjoy our families more, leave lasting impressions with our friends that lead them back to the Lord and instill greater joy for the work that the Lord has called us to all together. Now, y'all, as we prepare to get into this conversation, many of you know that I often begin to think of what contentment or the theme or whatever we are talking about is not before I begin to tie down what it may be. And the same was true for contentment. Y'all, it's not an excuse for passivity, disobedience, or complacency. That's not what we're doing over here, all right? We are never disobedient <clears throat> because we have one another <laughs> to encourage and to help hold accountable. It's a fine balance between faith and gratitude faith and work. 
Contentment is not the end of the road. It's not a final destination we somehow get to, but it is a component that makes the journey easier and more fulfilling. Contentment is the beautiful absence of strife, pride, and competition. And it recognizes capacity as it yields to calling in whatever form it may come. Contentment yields to calling, y'all, because without it, we would revert back to disobedience and complacency. It yields to the calling that you have of a mother. It yields to the calling that you have as an intercessor. It yields to the calling that you have as someone who encourages others in the faith. Because without that calling, without the choice to answer the call, contentment is absent. Today, I'm incredibly grateful for our guest. As with each and every one of the five women who will be joining us, she has invited us into some of the most intimate spaces that she has held with the Lord. And we are better for it. Before I introduce you to her, I'd like to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 in our hearing. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And it says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little, where I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Mm. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Lisa Fields is one of the world's most sought-after Christian apologists. She combines her passion for biblical literacy with her heart for sharing God's love with all she meets. During college at the University of North Florida, she took a New Testament course that shifted the trajectory of her life. As a pastor's kid, she was familiar with church, the Christian faith, and the importance of reading the Bible. She was also planning a career as a stockbroker in New York City. On the first day of her New Testament class, the professor declared, I'm going to change everything you thought you knew about Jesus. Throughout the course, her professor focused on biblical contradictions and textual criticism. In every sense of the matter, Lisa's faith was challenged. She was forced to rethink what she believed and decide if she would keep believing or abandon her faith. After college, she continued to wrestle with biblical concepts in her faith while working in the financial services industry. This wrestling led to Fields pursuing a Master of Divinity from Liberty University and starting the Jude 3 Project to help the Black Christian community know what they believe and why they believe. Through the Jude 3 Project, Fields has hosted four courageous conversations, conferences, featuring prominent Black scholars from different theological perspectives, developed two apologetic curricula for churches and laypeople, curated a YouTube series called Why I Don't Go, addressing the pain points millennials have with the church, 
led a historically Black college and university tour answering the question, is Christianity a white man's religion? And curated a popular podcast covering everything from mental health to the importance of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Since starting the Jude 3 Project, Fields has received several honors, most notably Christianity Today's recognition of her work as an apologist in the African-American community. Though these accolades have been encouraging, Fields continues to break new ground for the sake of the gospel by adding production to her resume. This past year, she helped produce and create two documentaries, Unspoken, an in-depth look into the Christian heritage of Africa and people of African descent, and Juneteenth, Faith and Freedom, through her partnership with Our Daily Bread. Would you please help me welcome Lisa Fields to the best kept secret. All right, y'all. I am definitely fangirling over here. I just need y'all to know this. I am so excited about this conversation. I am for every single one. I tell y'all this all the time, but every now and then, every now and then somebody comes through and I'm like, oh my gosh, she said yes. And that today is none other than Lisa V. Fields, who is the founder of the Jude 3 project. Lisa, welcome to The Best Kept Secrets. We're so excited to have you here. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm good. It's been a great day. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, I have already shared y'all that I'm a part of Soul Circles with Jennifer Lucy Tyler. She came through last season, so I will definitely recommend you go back and listen to that. But she has some incredible women come through who she interviews and who kind of walk us through different Bible studies as well. And I was so excited about this particular interview that Lisa was coming on to and got so much out of it. But toward the end of it, she said that the Lord really helped to develop her prayer life in a new way after some burnout that she experienced. And y'all, <laughs> that almost took me out because that was exactly where I was and it was the message I needed to hear. So we're definitely going to take some time to learn about the Jew 3 Project, the incredible work that Lisa is doing there. But we're also going to ask her to take us behind the scenes a little bit to share with her, to share with us how her prayer life has just been transformed through the various things that she has gone through. And so I first want to start off and ask you, what is the role of critical thought in our Christian relationship with the Lord? I've heard you speak about the importance of it, and I will share that I was one that for years ran from this. I had a very troubling philosophy class that I attended my freshman year of college. And I mean, when I tell you it was religion 101, the person they brought in to speak about Buddhism was down for his religion. The person they brought in to speak about Hinduism was down for her religion. The person they brought in to speak about Judaism was down for his religion. And the person they brought in for Christianity started off by saying, you cannot trust this Bible. And I had the completely opposite experience view. I went to sleep, <laughs> which I don't recommend. But I was so overwhelmed. And so it hasn't been until 
maybe the past 10 years or so that I've really begun to consider the importance of critical thought. Can you tell us a little bit about that in the work you do? Yeah, yeah. I think the importance of critical thought is crucial because God calls us to love him with our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that he doesn't want us to check our brain at the door, that he gave us our minds for a reason. And he speaks to our minds and and our hearts. And a part of being able to communicate what we believe is being able to um, intellectually form the statements around the foundation of our faith to connect with people who have real issues that around why do we believe that? Because I think when you're a Christian, you believe things and you just go along with it. But then you, it's when somebody from the outside says, hmm, like you believe that a virgin had a child? Like we're so used to it because we've grown up in it. And so it's like, oh, okay, yeah. But then for somebody who has never, hasn't grown up in Christianity, hasn't read the Bible, some of the stuff in scripture seems very hard to believe. You know, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you we need to be able to engage them on an intellectual level. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I appreciate how you shared that. We definitely are invited to love the Lord with our heart, with our mind, with our soul. And so a lot of times we do uh, forget that. So I appreciate the work you're doing. You know, when I first started off in ministry, I come from a local ministry context. I had a young gentleman in my class who's a little brother to me now. Uh, it's been about 10 years or so. He was probably okay. the one who helped me begin to think critically about the Bible and about scripture and really dive in deeper because he came in as a little eight-year-old in my class and the questions he had to ask were so difficult that I had no other you know, alternative than to say, I'm going to get back to you next week. (laughs) Just was really asking very high level questions. And I want to know, because sometimes apologetics can feel very lofty. It can feel very um, distinct from the local ministry context. But why is it important that lay members, that um, pastors, that church leaders really engage with apologetics? I know one of, I believe your first event was for pastors. So why was that so important? And what would you share today to those who are listening in as they lead churches? Yeah, great question. I mean, being a leader that's prepared is going to help prepare the people that are going on the front lines. Mm -hmm. You know, in church, you kind of get some set questions But people that go out in the workplace, um, schools, they're meeting the people, the general pop. Mm -hmm. And general population has very different questions than sometimes you may hear, you know, on a stage on Sunday. uh, Because they're speaking to, for the majority, Christians who already believe. And so we need to equip people to be able to talk to the skeptics. They're going to be able to engage in day-to-day, how to have that conversation at work with a Buddhist, how to have a conversation with a Muslim, uh, how to have it in a respectful way so you won't get sent to uh, HR for uh, (laughs) diversity training, right? Um, (laughs) All of those skills are are important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, y'all. Jude 3 Project has a variety of resources and they answer just about every question of the set. I promise it is one of my favorite podcasts And I want to ask, Lisa, how do you discern what 
topics are most important to address and how you're going to invest your energy kind of, you know, preparing the material for that. Because, I mean, really, you you cover such a wide range of topics that sometimes for me, when I feel the Lord calling me to address certain areas, I get a little overwhelmed. So how do you kind of sense how the Lord is leading and what role does prayer have in the ministry? Yeah, I keep my ear to the streets uh, mm -hmm. to see like a lot of my friend circle is not engaged in church ministry. So mm -hmm. probably 80% of my friends are just in corporate, they're attorneys, they're medical field. So they're telling me what's going on. And I feel like that has been one of the best parts to help me do ministry mm -hmm. is to be surrounded by people in the marketplace to be able to tell me, because sometimes when you're around people that are in the same space, they're giving you all the same perspective. Yeah. But my friends are telling me, mm, like, this is what people are talking about. These are the questions people are asking. Um, this is what I find difficult within myself. So I have friends that grew up in church like me, but they are very much either away from God or just like attending church on Christmas and Easter, right? Yeah. And so they tell me I'm in tune with what their frustrations are around the church, what their questions are around the Bible. And that really helps me frame kind of a lot of the material that we produce, just being able to talk to people constantly that are in the trenches, you know, that are navigating real life day to day. Mm, that's good. That's good. I... Um, definitely have a lot of friends outside of a ministry context, but I suppose I hadn't considered how important it is to, you know, have those conversations about what people are interested in, in, um, their everyday lives and what they're asking about as much. I'm still in the workforce, so I definitely have my ear to the ground as well, but that is an incredibly practical way to, you know, even discern how the Lord is leading you and I hope y'all will really begin to even see whomever is, you know, working um as a bivocational pastor, a bivocational leader that you have such an incredible opportunity to just mm. connect with those that really do need the gospel who aren't going to the churches. It can it can feel as if sometimes it's second class citizenship, but it's not, y'all. It's such an honor to be called to two different ministry contexts. So I pray you're encouraged by that. All right, sis. I mean, y'all are turning out conferences, curriculum, documentaries, HBCU tours, all the things. And I want to ask, what does your daily rhythm look like? How long do you spend developing a project? Uh, we are talking a little bit about contentment and the pursuit of the presence of the Lord. And sometimes when he gives us an idea, it's like, oh, I just want to run with that. Let's go. <laughs> but it does take time to kind of really sit with the material, sit with the resources, mm -hmm. sit and do the work. So can you take us behind the scenes a little bit to share what a day in your life looks like and how long some of these projects take? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a doer. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that, I'll have an idea and the execution for me could take three weeks. So example... Case in point, from we did a series called From People to Person. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> and I sat down with the African spiritualist, uh, Hebrew Israelite, and um, it turned out to be one of our most popular series. Yeah. Literally got the idea and reached out. The African spiritualist was in LA. The Hebrew Israelite was in Texas. I reached out to the Hebrew Israelite that I knew because he's also a Christian. So he identifies as Hebrew, but he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I know y'all did a battle rap together. Would y'all be interested in flying to Jacksonville where I was at the time to film? He was like, yeah, let me get her on a text thread. We got in the text thread. They came up with a day. I think it was like three weeks from the time that we were talking. Hit up my videographer. Told him, hey, I want this location. I like with the exposed break that we had access to. And we got it shot. And then he he edited it and it was out within two months. Mm. Like ideas come to my head and I just execute. And that's how I've always been with the HBCU tour. I, the idea came to my head with the podcast. Literally, I was like, we should do a podcast recording one in the next two weeks. I... I've just always been like that. Once the idea comes to my head, I have to execute. When it was time for our first conference, it was the same way. I flew to Chicago. Well, Charlie Dates, which is a great friend of mine, he was like, you can have the conference here if you want to do something in person. I flew to Chicago to tour his church and to brainstorm. Within maybe two weeks after that trip, I sent an invitation to all the potential guests and we set a date and just got rocking and rolling. That took four months, four and a half months to execute. Wow. Um, so I'm, that's how I've moved. Now, certain things take longer, like the documentary for uh, Unspoken took four years to produce, but that was just because funds, interviews, just the the level of production that went in that, uh, I think Chris Lamarck, our director for taking wearing so many hats in that, and Don Carey, our executive producer. Um, so that took four years. That's the longest project that I've had. But most of the things that I do, even the Juneteenth documentary, I talked to our Daily Bread, um, Rasul Berry over there. I think it was like 2021. I was like, he was talking about Juneteenth curriculum. We were like, oh, or Juneteenth devotional book. I said, you should do a, a curriculum. Our Daily Bread approved the budget. He called me in January, said we got December, we got the funding. January, they framed it. February, we shot it. And then it was out Juneteenth. So it's, I I feel like I'm very unique in that way Uh because things don't usually happen for people in in that rhythm. But for me, uniquely, God has gifted me in that way where it's just like, I have an idea, I execute in even when I, most of the time I don't have the funding at the beginning of the execution, I just commit to it. And by the end of it, we have everything we need. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. And that's definitely encouragement because, you know, when the Lord is with you, he is with you. There is a um, scripture that keeps coming back to my mind that I keep kind of meditating on about Samuel that, you know, is is reflective of Jesus that we read of in Matthew as well. And it's it just talks about how um, he grew in favor with the Lord and with people. And mm-hmm. when I hear you talk about the work that the Lord has called you to do, it's just, and she grew in favor with the Lord and in people, and we're <laughs> grateful for it because we need these resources for real. Um, you know, I have 
heard you share a little bit about the unique ministry context that you've been called to and how you have you really don't identify with any particular, you know, denomination or group. And that does allow some, you know, freedom and all of that. So you can speak to the heart of the issue without, you know, wondering or worrying that you may offend someone. But I've also heard you talk about, you know, some of the denials. And one thing you said was that you are grateful for every no you receive, because it helps build character. It helps to develop you. And I was like, mm, Lord, Lord, get me to that place. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And just kind of how the Lord has matured you in the different seasons that you've gone through with, you know, the amazing people that have come on to say, yes, I'm down, I'm with this as well as those who have said, no, nah, this isn't really for me. I, I don't really see the need here. Can you, can you tell us about how that's looked for you and how you persisted beyond that? Yeah, I, I think every no, I've learned that it's God's protection. And I know it sounds cliche, but it is really God's protection, whether he's protecting you from people that you don't know are not really for you or just not not even on the Lord's side, you know, mm -hmm. he's protecting you. And then you see it later, or he's saying your character is not ready for this place. Right. And so when I was younger in my faith and I was zealous, I thought, man, I need to be on stages. I need to be doing this. But I realized I didn't have the character mm -hmm. um, to handle the weight of that. It, the character is so important for uh, for where God wants to take us that our character is there because we'll end up embarrassing ourselves, embarrassing our families, embarrassing our friends and embarrassing the church and embarrassing God. And so I didn't, I I think what I realized later, as I look back, I, I realized that David passage where he said, it was good that I was afflicted, um, that I might learn uh, more of God. And so I realized that every time God was saying no or not yet, that it was good for me um, to be in that situation. I had a Sunday night, I had a call with somebody that deeply hurt me, like really deeply hurt me back in 2011. And, uh, we were talking and I was telling them, I was like, you know what? Now I'm thankful that that happened because I never would have been able to do what I do now had I not had that wound and had I not seen God heal that wound. And so you just realize with time that God is using things that hurt us deeply knows to help form us into the people that he wants us to be. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It was good for me that I was afflicted. I will share with you that I had a, a very just difficult season that I went through last year. I was doing a lot of different ministry work. And as a result of some of the issues that I was dealing with within my private life and the demands on my public life, I not only felt incredibly burnt out as a result of it, but I was a little surprised by what was in me. <laughs> it's like, oh, some of those opportunities I was praying for may have been good that it I didn't get them because 
I'm a little surprised that that's still there. And I am mm-hmm. definitely acting out. So I, y'all already know, I'm going to put myself out there if it's going to help you. And I just appreciate you sharing that because I, I believe that any whenever anybody talks about character, it's important that we listen up because our world, our culture is so obsessed with, you know, the quick wins and, <clears throat> and really just... Um, becoming influencers and, you know, and, and, and winning people and all of that. And a lot of times the Lord does the deep work privately so that we are more effective publicly. And I hope y'all sit with that for sure, because I mean, you have so much favorite, you have done so many things but you've been doing this since 2014. You've been building yes. relationships. You have been, you know, on the ground. You've been studying. You've been doing the work even before that. Um, and so it's important that we not see somebody and be like, oh, I want to do that right now. <laughs> but that we really take the time to learn from them. So thank you for that. Uh, just that little uh, wisdom that you shared about character for sure. I'll want to ask, you know, about this burnout that you experienced. You shared that, I mean, everything was going well. You were making all of these accomplishments and yet you couldn't enjoy them because of the burnout. Can you tell a a little bit about what was going on at that time and then how the Lord kind of renewed your prayer time and, and what that looks like now? Our conversation will be back in just a moment, but for now, I wanted to let you know that Selah has a companion devotional on the YouVersion Bible app. If you are interested in learning a little bit about our study through 1st and 2nd Samuel, or how worship can serve as a tool to help you navigate spiritual warfare, I invite you to click the link in the description below. Yeah, great question. So, I always describe that time in my life as feeling like I was disconnected from my body. Mm. Like I was watching my life happen, but I wasn't a part of it. And that's how I felt. Like I was detached. Um, And that comes from a lack of rest that you don't have time to sit with what's happening in the moment. So you can't actually be present, always thinking about the next, always trying to fundraise, always trying to do this. And then when you finally get to a space where you're accomplishing it, you're unhappy. But I realized I had prioritized the wrong things. I had prioritized achievement and not personal development. And so I had to reach all these milestones because what happened is I was always trying to prove myself because I'm a black woman in a white man's space. And so you have to work, you know, the old saying, we have to work twice as hard to get half as far. And so you're always trying to prove yourself, trying to say, man, I could do this too. I, a black woman can be in this space too. And so you're always trying to show people like, I'm not incompetent. Um, I can do things in excellence. And while, yes, we want to do things in excellence, that's a big pillar of what we do at G3. Make sure I stress to our team, everything has to be done in excellence. It can get overwhelming and it can become an idol in a sense. Where you're, where you're always trying to prove people wrong or you're always trying to prove that you could do it too. And all of the in- effort went into that so we could increase our budget so we could have more impact. All of that, which are not bad goals, but it wears on you because you're now trusting in your ability and not God's. 
And I forgot that I'm only here because God put me here. There are people more educated, definitely people who are smarter, people who are wiser. God called me to this position. And when he called me to it, I was inexperienced. There's this, I've been reading through the book of Chronicles. And when David is handing off the kingdom to Solomon, he makes this statement. He says, basically, I'm paraphrasing. God has chosen him, but he's still inexperienced. And it reminded me that God calls the inexperienced. And when he called me, I was very much inexperienced. Yes, I'm a PK. I know the church world, but still very inexperienced. Um, didn't know how to lead an organization. And so I had all those things. And instead of saying, God, I trust you, I started trying to do it on my own. And doing it on my own led to burnout. And I just hit a wall where I remember I woke up in Mississippi I was, it was, I had been so many places. I was in Texas. I was in Mississippi. I was in Tennessee all in one week or in the span of like seven days. And uh, I mean, 10 days. And I woke up in Mississippi and I was like, where am I? Like, I didn't know where I was because I was like, I'm just doing too much. Like Lisa, you are doing too much. And I remember my friend that's the pastor, Watson Jones. He's like, he kind of saw it before I saw it. You know how sometimes your friend's around you, they're like, Lisa, what you doing? Like, you doing too much. Um, he was like, I'm sending you this book. No, he was like, get this book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I was like, all right. I I heard him, but I really didn't hear him. He said, never mind. I'm mailing it to you. What's your address? <laughs> he mailed it to me because he lives in Chicago. He mailed it to me. He was like, read this book. He sent that to me maybe a month before I really hit that hard burnout. Like before I realized I was already on burnout, but he before I realized it in myself that this is head on. And so I read it and he also sent me emotionless spiritual, emotionally healthy spirituality, like the day by day book. Hmm. And I read that. And then I got into therapy. And it was in therapy as I'm reading that, re, he gave me the Centering Prayer app, which I think I mentioned in the Jennifer when I was on Jennifer's um platform. Uh, and I started doing that. Then I got into therapy. And that's when she was like, Lisa, you are, you are more than you three. Like yeah. you've, you've put your identity in this organization together. Like we need to pull these apart in your mind. You have to, you have to realize that you're not just this organization. You are a whole person outside of this organization. And right now you're living as if they're one. And so I just let God over a year's time, untether those two things for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it took a lot of time. It took a lot of hard therapy sessions. I remember that while I was on that autopilot grinding mode, I built up a resentment towards God. So I remember one therapy session, she was like, well, how are you feeling about God? And before the I could catch the words, it's like they ran out of my mouth. I said, I resent him. And I just was like, there's so much as that I have to overcome that my peers don't have to overcome. And that it's like, why do I have to be this? Why do I have to deal with this? And they don't, you know, yeah. as a black woman, why do I have to carry this weight? And as a white man, they don't like, it's easier for them. And God, I don't feel like it's as easy for me. Well, but I missed all the favor that God was giving me. Um, even in that, and so just processing all of those things was helpful. And then through that, God just cultivated within me 
A Beautiful Prayer Life uh, got led to this book on healing uh, by Francis McNutt. And it just showed me really the power of inner healing that comes through prayer. Yeah. And so that's a, a long story short is to, to my journey. We appreciate the long story. Um, you know, I want to just really ask a little bit about what it looks like to, I suppose, prioritize yourself outside of Jude 3. What what kinds of things are you really mm, focusing on or enjoying now? Just all as, as just as Lisa, not as Lisa and Jude 3. Yeah, great question. One of the things I did was move. So I moved from Jacksonville to DC and people always say, did you move, you moved to DC for, to be less work? Cause DC is a more hustle and bustle. But my, while my family's in Jacksonville and my family's great, amazing, all my friends had moved. And so my social life was not there. So I was just working, traveling, speaking, coming home, going to church. That was it. And so I realized that if I wanted to be healthy as an individual, I had to get a social life and DC helped with that. Cause I had many friends here. I made many more friends here and it helped just social life, going to the movies, going, just going to concerts, just going to different things, going on a, to the wharf, chilling out, you know, just doing things with friends and prioritizing that. And everybody in my circle knows that I can, I have the propensity to be a workaholic if, if unchecked. And so they have done a good job of helping me. Hey, have you been somewhere this week? Let's go somewhere. Getting out, taking vacations has been a huge help. Last year, me and my best friend from college went on two vacations. We went to Grenada. We went to Jamaica. Um, and so those have been helpful things for me um, to prioritize and just doing things I enjoy. Um, watching, I I could be a huge sports fan. So watching the NFL game, watching the NBA game, going to an NBA game um, has been things or just watching something on Netflix, just things to pull me out. It's of the work grind and which has been so helpful going home to spend time with my family, playing with my nephew. Um, those have been huge things for me. Um, I feel like this past year, just having fun. And I think, you know, this whole grind mode of like, I got to do the work of the Lord without realizing like God wants me to live an abundant life mm -hmm. and he gives us joy. And that doesn't mean that I'm working all the time. <laughs> he wants me to enjoy the life he's given me. He wants me to enjoy him. He wants me to enjoy the relationships that he's given me as well. Wow. And so that has been a helpful balance. I was just talking to my friend. She was saying, she was like, I just feel like this past year, you were way more balanced. Like you used to be so stressed about work and you've been, I just want to compliment you. You've been way more balanced. Um, and I just attribute that to a healthier relationship with work and a more robust prayer life that God, like, I don't have to be worried about this. And last year I worked less and God did more. Like it was a breakout year for us. But I think God was trying to show me I can do more in your rest than your work. Like you're working to do these things and like things moved. And it was like one conversation got so much funding that we needed. And it was like, I didn't even have to work that hard. Like I didn't have to go here, there and everywhere to try to, it was like God set it up. And so I can have that secured with, and have the rest of my week mentally free. 
Um, and I, I just think that's and and delegating more to the team has also been helpful. That's wonderful. That is so wonderful. This is somebody's, you know, little message that it's time to book the vacation. It's time <laughs> to slow down. <laughs> you can do more with your little. I, I will share that I had consistently blamed my mm, intention to some of my friendships on ministry. And the Lord has checked me about that for real, for real in the past couple of months, because it is important. It is important that we live a, a rounded life. Like you said, it's, it's his will that he live an abundant life. And he's gifted us with relationships to help offer checks and balances, encouragement and celebration. So y'all invest in those relationships. I really enjoyed your podcast conversation with Francis McNutt, which is um, oh, Judith, Judith McNutt, which is yeah. Francis's wife uh, mm -hmm. now that he's passed. Mm -hmm. um, and I really loved hearing about, you know, the new perspective on prayer, the the miracles that had just been taking place and even how God kind of orchestrated this opportunity to, I suppose, like get this book, meet her, you know, because there were a couple of different people, I believe at the same time that were mentioning this book you shared. I, I want to ask, um, what does your prayer life look like now? Uh, what are some of the things that you enjoy in your time with the Lord? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I was just telling somebody yesterday, I was like, man, I don't know how I was making it before. Now that I have a, a very much a consistent, this probably the most robust my prayer life has been since I've been a Christian. Like, I don't even know how I was making it. And so it is very much when I wake up, um, unless it's sometimes if I have like a 5 a.m. flight, then I might I might have to do it when I get to the destination. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very much so 30 minutes of centering prayer every day, non-negotiable 30 minutes centering prayer. And that is sitting before the Lord. That app is a, a lifesaver to me. It, it helps keep me disciplined. It's sitting before the Lord and saying, God, what in my heart needs your attention? Purify my heart. I always say this line, take the hearts places and make them soft. Make the cold places, make them warm again. Yeah. Um, and in that time, he brings things that I didn't even know was there. Like this morning, I was sitting before the Lord and he was like, that's there because you're jealous. And I was like, dang, I am. I am. And I didn't see it before, but it was just like sitting before him allows him to show you you when you didn't see you before. Because you, before I think, I thought, man, I got to talk to the Lord for 30 minutes and just mouth off my request. Right, right. But now it's like sitting before the Lord 30 minutes and let him show me things about me. And then sometimes he'll bring people he wants me to intercede for. I can intercede for them during that time. After the 30 minutes, sometimes I'll sit there. There's guided prayer in the app. So it gives you a prayer to pray and um, pray for my family, friends, all that jazz. Then I go to scripture and I'm reading through a book. And I, one thing about that for me has been really helpful. It's just, I decide what book I'm going to go through. And I just read a chapter a day, no matter how long, how short. And I sit with that chapter. Doing too much. I mean, I've tried to do the Bible in a year. I've done reading through the Bible, all of that. But sometimes that can get 
overwhelming when you're reading too much that you don't, are you not taking in? So for me, I'm just like, I'm just going to sit with a chapter. I'm not going to do too much. I want to do what allows me to be consistent. So yeah. I do that chapter. I sit with the chapter. And then right now there's a particular person that God has given me a pr about a 10 minute prayer that I wrote down for them to intercede. And I'm just interceding for them. It's been about six months, five or six months. And, and, and until that, that breaks through, then that will be, that's the prayer. So that's my rhythm in which I, I pray every day. Now, in addition to that, um, in addition to that prayer and devotional time, I do prayers with friends. So there's a few friends that on a weekly basis we meet. They know everything that's going on with me. I know everything that's going on with them. We debrief for the week. We talk about where we're struggling. And then we lift those things to God. I pray for them. They pray for me or vice versa. I mean, we, we, we alternate on who goes first, but we both pray for each other. And what that has done really for that is not only strengthened my relationship with God, but it strengthened my relationship with my friends. Like, I think we were venting before to one another. And then sometimes you have transparency, but not intimacy. It's like, you know, this is going on, but why is this going on? Like transparency is the ability to say what happened. Vulnerability is to, to say like how, what happened made you feel. Um, and so shifting this, not just saying, but how did that make you feel? How did that make you feel about yourself? What traumas is that bringing up for you? Like, and then bringing that to God and just, we've seen so much. Like my, I testified on the podcast about how my friend, um, got to undetectable status for HIV. He had not been able to get there. He had taken medicine after medicine and had had HIV for like 10 years and not been able. And through prayer, we saw God's hand move. Um, just so many different things I've seen and the inner healing. And it's, and it's, and it's one of the things I tell people that I think I didn't realize before because I do ministry and I have a lot of friends who are just barely hanging on to the faith. Um, you start to think, well, I do ministry. I need to find other friends that are in ministry to pray with because then they're more spiritually, quote unquote, equal, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. But I've just watched the friends that I, that were struggling in their faith through prayer together. God just take them to like they've been able to minister to me. God has given them words of wisdom to give me. And it's just like. You don't have to look for somebody out there. Now, sometimes God does, you know, we have this thing, cut people off and level up your circle. But sometimes God wants to level your circle up together. And God is all about us going together. Like it's, we always say, well, God is elevating me. And I always say, we're the body. God doesn't cut the arm off and be like, I'm elevating the arm and lead the rest of the body down there. Mm. He's in all of us going up together and growing together. And so, Yeah. That's that's kind of the overview of my prayer life. Thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely know that it's personal, but it really is encouraging us to continue seeking the Lord and to take off some of those pressures. I do happen to be a list checker. It, it just makes me, it gives me so much joy to check <laughs> off a chapter in my time with the Lord. But if that's not who you are, then don't force that. The most important part is sitting with him, is inviting him to expose some of those inconsistencies and 
I've run from that in the past. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I, I, I don't want to hear it. But it is always for our good. And as you mm-hmm. talked about your prayer life, it just, it just, it felt, filled me with so much joy. It really did. It just seems like it has brought so much contentment and peace into your life. Uh, and it, it was a delight to listen to. So thank you. Um, you know, I have so many other questions I could ask you, but I know you're a busy woman. You got other things to do. So I'll wrap it up right here. You have, you know, released two documentaries that you've already shared a little bit about uh, and how the Lord kind of moved through those different spaces. One with Our Daily Bread, which is Juneteenth. Um, and the other, and that's Juneteenth Faith and Freedom. I'm going to link that below. And the other that is available on Amazon, which is the unspoken documentary. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of the opportunity to reach people through the media and what you hope the Lord continues to do through the ministry as, uh, as more people gain access and, and look at these documentaries? Yeah, great question. So for me, um, when I when we were oh, on HBCU campuses, when we would ask students like that were saying Christianity is white man's religion, we'd be like, where did you hear that from? It was always a video, uh, meme, but mostly a video they saw TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so I was like, well, if people are getting deconverted through videos, then maybe they could be reintroduced through videos because they're not reading books. to get this information all the time. They may read a book later, but most of the time it's videos that shape the imagination. Good storytelling is, I think, how Jesus communicated through parables. He understood that people, uh, one of my mentor used to say, illustrations are the windows that let the light in. And so for me, it is through good storytelling that we come in the back door with truth. Some people have their front doors guarded. Like, I don't want to hear that. But if you start speaking to the imagination, telling good stories, that's why conversations and documentaries are so important, then people are more open to change their mind because they don't feel attacked. They just feel like you're telling the story. And even when we think about David and Nathan, when Nathan goes to David, obviously you got to think Nathan is the person that David has in his life to tell him the truth. He is used to talking to uh David is used to talking to Nathan to get spiritual guidance. So he could come anyway. I mean, to me, it was like, just tell him the truth. But he knows that because the sin is so great, he needs to tell him a story. Yeah. And I think we miss, um, we miss sometimes that a story is still needed to get people to see the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is beautiful. Y'all, I'm linking these documentaries down below. And it is my prayer that you will, you know, watch them, that you will share them. They have been incredible resources to me. Um, and I am just so excited about what the Lord is doing through Jude 3 Project. It has been such an honor to talk to you, uh, Lisa. Y'all, you know, I do want to encourage you to keep pushing back on that narrative, you know, that Uh, women don't belong in these spaces because we do. And you mentioned the parable uh, that Nathan shared with David. There's another parable that uh, the wise woman from Tekoa tells David later on. And one of the things that always bothers me when I read these old commentaries 
is that they always say, oh, she lied. Oh, no, she didn't do anything different than Nathan did. And so I really do want to ask you to, you know, push back on some of those narratives that we have been programmed, that we've been conditioned to believe and really consider the value uh, that the Lord has called our sister to the incredible work that she's doing and even take it a step further and donate and donate. I know I will be, this ministry is definitely going to be um, just one of those ministries that I look to give to consistently. And I don't say that for no reason. I say mm -hmm. that because we need to make sure that we are supporting those who are doing the work. We need to make sure that we are praying for them as much as we are showing up with our, our faith and our work, okay? Uh, because this this does not happen um, on uh, it just doesn't happen by chance. The Lord is with our sister, but I, I do pray that you consider becoming a partner with this ministry. Um, can we ask you a couple of secrets real quick before you hand? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first one is, and you've already shared a little bit, so you don't have to go into much detail here, but what does the day off look like for you? What is one thing that you're going to enjoy on a day off? Uh, right now it's $17.99. So I, it's a steakhouse <laughs> in Alexandria that I absolutely love. I went to brunch there on Sunday. Um, it's my favorite place. I, I even scheduled my birthday uh, dinner with my friends there. Uh, so $17.99 is one thing that I'm probably going to enjoy uh, in in D.C. If when I'm off. Love it, love it. <laughs> Next question is... Uh, what is bringing a smile to your face these days? My nephew. Mm. Yeah, he's definitely, I, I look at videos uh, in my downtime of him in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> love that. I have a couple of mine as well. My niece and my nephew. I love that. And finally, um, I forgot my last question, y'all. I, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to? This year, the book release. So I wrote a book, When Faith Disappoints the Gap Between What We Believe and What We Experience. And it's talking about, it is an open letter to people who have been Christians for a while and feel like, you know what? This faith isn't what I thought it would be. It hasn't lived up to the hype and I'm about to leave. And so it's a letter to them to get them to stay. Talking about all the pain that comes as Christians that we think other things will satisfy other than God. Can't wait to get that. We cannot wait to get it. Thank you for your time. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? And if you would be so kind, would you pray us out? Yes. Uh, G3project.org and all my socials. I'm Lisa V. Fields. And you can all we're on every social at G3project. Um, yes. And pray us out. Lord, I thank you for this platform. Thank you for Liv. I thank you for the life that you've given her, um, the ministry that you've given her, this podcast and all the other things, her family, her friends. I thank you for her. I pray that you will bless her. I pray that she would do more this year than she can even imagine. I pray that you would continue to grow and develop her prayer life and strengthen her and give her balance in the midst of all the demands she's experiencing. And I pray for those who are listening, God, that they would find deeper connections with you through prayer, through relationships, that you would heal them, give them an inner healing, 
And for those who have physical healing, I pray that the inner healing would manifest as well, not only in their inner man, but in their physical healing as well. God, we trust you um, to do more than we can imagine. And when if we ask for too little, do something greater than we can ask, think, or hope for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen.